From Relay FM, this is The Pen Addict, episode 353. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace and ExpressVPN. My name is Mike Hurley. We are live in Atlanta. Say hello, everyone. And of course, I have the pleasure, as always, of being joined by my partner in crime, Mr. Brad Dowdy. Hi, Brad. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well, and this would not be the Atlanta Pen Show if we were not joined by the wonderful Anna Reinert. Hi, Anna. Hello. So we have an action-packed show today, episode 353. We were off by three weeks, but we made it back to the Atlanta Pen Show. We have some great guests, uh, but and we have some probably some purchases to talk about. But we do have some follow-up. Um, I wanted to talk about that sailor, that crazy sailor, the Japanese blue. Smallpox. Yes, the smallpox forever we spoke about last week. <laughs> mm-hmm. So in case you need to remind, this is the, as is there are many, many, many limited edition sailors. I've seen limited edition sailors uh, over the last couple of days where people go, oh, you know about this one, right? Never, just never heard of it, which is one of the things I love about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is the one where it's, it's, a, it's a, is it a Rialo? No, it's no, a pro gear. It's a regular pro gear, but it's wrapped with like this blue metal, which has been, ha- I'm assuming, like hand shaped, like yeah. marked. Uh, we didn't realize when we were talking about it last week that it has no clip, which makes it more interesting. Or we haven't found a picture with a clip, and we've worked at it. <laughs> yeah, it does not look there is one. Um, so I pre ordered it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was. This was one situation where time zones were helpful for me. Uh, Wancha had a selection of them, um, and I woke up and I had an email from them because I signed up to their newsletter and I was able to get one of them. They have like a very limited amount, uh, but the company that's making it, which name escapes me right now, they. If you remember, I said I emailed them. Mm-hmm. They also emailed me. I only bought one of them. Though. <laughs> uh, Good it for should you. be coming in a couple of weeks. And obviously, I'm very excited about it. So here's the issue I'm beginning to have with your sailor habit. Okay. I'm getting direct messages from the companies when these pens go on order saying, hey, we got one. Would you like one for Mike? I'm like... (laughs) Why can't they talk to me? Yeah. No. Actually... I prefer to have a gatekeeper between me and these purchases. Yeah. (laughs) These are not like... Like for some reason, I'm like your go-between to all these companies because I guess they can they have access to me. They don't know how to get to you. It's like companies I've worked with, like That's our good true. friends at Wancher. You know, you know, I've worked with them plenty of times in the past. They're like, by the way, we have these pins. Do you want one? And yeah, I'm that, like, this is kind of funny. Where no, it's like the, I, I don't got the email and I ordered one through the regular channels, but then I got another email from the other company. Then you told me, and then Wancher DM'd me. Mm-hmm. So I could have had like I think I could have ended up buying about half of the available yeah, inventory. There's probably only like 20 of these pens. And I could have got like a good quarter of them just for me, but I didn't. I've only got one of them. And I I just wanted to say, like, I bought it through like the regular channels. (laughs) Didn't have to use my Brad Dowdy hookup for that one. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, because sometimes with some of the stuff in Japan, the time zones work out for me, which is great Mm -hmm. because they do not work for the US. So this is becoming an issue. It's kind of fun. I'm not going to lie. You told me you wanted to talk about the Pilot 101st Anniversary Ink. Yeah, so this <laughs> ink that has arrived within the past week for Pilot's 100th Anniversary. All of our good friends and vendors, we love you all. Thank you all for bringing this ink in for Pilot's very special 101st Anniversary, apparently. Um, it's well known that I've had 
taken great issue with uh, Pilot's uh, handling of their 100th anniversary, but I'm glad I finally got to participate, and I did pick up the beautiful yellow ink. Anna, I know at Vanessa Pens, y'all are selling the ink. Is there a hot color of the 101st anniversary ink? I'm not going to call it anything but that. They Just out of, out of spite, I, I believe it's well-deserved uh, flack for Pilot this year. So uh, is, is there a hot color? Uh, a lot of people seem to like the green black. Please don't make me say them in Japanese. Mm. I, the, the names are like we do get enough emails about pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of people really like the green black. I like the red color. Um, it's got a bit of a golden sheen to it, which is really pretty. Um, those are my favorite. So they're pretty cool, and I'm not gonna lie. So I, I did break down and get one, like I said, and some of the pens have started to arrive. They're kind of cool. Like, they're way out of my price range. They're way out of most people in here's price range. But if you want to see them, I'm pretty sure the Drom Ghouls have at least one of the uh, the mid-range ones. So you can go check them out. They did a really good job. So props to Pilot on the workmanship and the craftsmanship. Um, but negative points for dragging this out for, like, two years. Yeah, I saw both the Pilot 100 and Platinum 100 anniversary pens. The Platinum 100th anniversary pen looks cool. The box is madness. It's like a size of an aircraft carrier. It's wild. But but they came out on time, so mm-hmm. good job by them. They sure did. They came out in the beginning of the year of their anniversary. That's shocking. I know. Can you imagine such a thing? You only had 100 years to plan for it. Uh Anna, how has uh, this year's pen show been for you? If, what's kind of been the vibe that you felt at the show? How has it been so far? We're only half, we're like just over halfway through. We've got one more full day. Yeah. Um, this show feels at this point almost like home, like family. Like this is the show that I've been to the most. Um, we know now so many people here, both vendors and attendees. Um, so it's. I mean, everybody here is, I mean, it's family. And so, I mean, I just get to, I get to see everybody in a lot of cases. There are people here that I haven't seen in a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and all, then, you know, and with the vendors, in some cases, I saw them three weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I just, the, I love this show. I really enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and every year for us, I feel like it's gotten better um, and more welcoming and just more like home so yeah it is wonderful what about you brad i mean it it's clear i have a huge bias for this show right so i'm i'm coming from that place but it's the best pen show in the world <laughs> Woo! <laughs> i can say it i can i burn any bridge i don't care so big words <laughs> <laughs> the amount of friends and old friends that I get to see every year and new friends I get to make every year. Please don't cry before our first I guest. I, right. I'm good. I'm right, good. Cool, cool, cool. Um, it, it's unparalleled at this show, and I don't quite know why. I mean, I kind of know why. Like, we do this thing, and we like to bring out people, and, you know, we started this by, hey, Mike and I had never met for the first two or three years of the show. Let's fly Mike over and do a show. Fifth we, year this year. Yes, five years. 
Um, it has a very different feel for me personally because I actually get to work less at this show because I have more help at the table. When I travel, a lot of times I'm by myself, so I'm stuck behind the table. This year, you know, at this time at the Atlanta Pin Show, I get to mix and mingle and walk around and talk to people and see friends and talk to vendors and annoy people like Jonathan Brooks and, you know, at their table and but that's fun. Like I have a good time doing this. Like Mike got to see me you know, like in my, you know, you know, my, my space today, you know, just seeing me like nerd out over pencils to people like for 20 minutes. It's a question of, I'm looking for a black queen 602 20 minutes later. And like Brad had assembled a selection of them like that weren't sharpened. I think they were Jesse's unsharpened black wings, <laughs> of which he sharpened four of them, I think, mm. uh, and then just kind of went from there, I think. I don't get to do that. <laughs> like, I like doing that. I like the minutia part of this. I think that's why we all get along so well, because we can have these highly specific conversations that you don't say out loud in public, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk like this outside of these walls. And, um, you know, when I'm at home working by myself, I'm not going... Boy, that you know, the tip of that black ring really didn't sharpen up as well this time. You know, you know, I don't get to have those conversations, and here I do, and it's normal, like, and it's fun, and like, I get more enjoyment out of that twenty minutes that I had today than anything I'll have at this show. Mm -hmm. That's important to me, and that's what I enjoy. So I'll always love this show more because I get to put more of myself out there at this show, other than like standing behind a table uh, selling cases, which I really do. I'm at Notco. The booth is in the front of the first room. <laughs> right over there. There's lots of cool colors. Come see us. And a new product from Knock Corporation. Could you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so this was a surprise to everyone, including me. Yeah, so we tried to, to do anything. something a little different. We always like to... I think anyone who's familiar with our brand knows that we always like to mix and match the colors, and we like to launch cool things randomly. Um, you know, we're not very good at our job, so we just kind of do it. And... Um, so we wanted to have some people always like pen show exclusives and we've never been able to manage those types of quantities, which is like a low volume type of product for a very short time frame. So this year, Jeff, who is a magician with like product ideas, he like literally said to me like in a text one day, he's like, I made a water bottle case. And I'm like, cool. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> And what everyone needs, right? A case for their water bottle. Yeah, and then he sends me a picture. I'm like, oh, sweet, it's a stand-up pin case. He's like, what do you mean? <laughs> I like that you can both look at something and you both have completely different ideas of which neither of you can conceive of the other person's thinking. That is what makes you two such a good pair. Yeah, so I go, well, can we put, can we put pin slots on the inside? And he goes, give me a minute. <laughs> and he's like yeah and I was like we should make this that is literally how production works for us so that's product design it's like ballet really yeah you think it really it. is it's very strange and it generally works so we made this case and said well can we get like a hundred of them just to bring to the Atlanta pin show so we did it and we got it and we've had a manufacturer make these for us and we brought them to the show and Jeff's like, well, let's take some pictures, put them out there, you know, send them out in the world, drum up some hype on it. And I was like, 
let's not. Let's do the opposite. <laughs> let's not tell anybody because I just want to see what happens. Like we're in a position like it's just me and Jeff. Like we can mess around and do types of things. I wanted to say instead of like running a hype train on a product, let's not and just show up with new stuff and see what people think. And, you know, I think people like it. It's just a fun, you know, stand-up case product. And it also allows us to, for it to be a test bed. Mm -hmm. Is this a viable product where we don't have to outlay for thousands and thousands of cases? We can make 100, see if people like it, give them something cool, do something fun and creative for us. So it's called the Coleman. Um, if you want to know the story about the name, you'll have to come see me the at the show and I will relay the name, but mm -hmm. we will be, uh, it is a not safe for podcast, mm -hmm. um, story. So it, but it's a good story. I promise you, but it's Coleman's a river in Georgia. We name all our products, um, around Georgia natural but resources. I'll, I'll give people the ability to Google for it. There's a mountain with a name that can't be said on the show that is in this. Coleman is the closest river to said mountain. There you go. And it's a, it's a, and so that's it's it. a thank you to our longtime customers mm -hmm. who know the story of how we name products. Yep. They've been clamoring for a certain product name, and this is as close as they'll ever get. Yes. <laughs> so, I already heard the story. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not great. So, Anna, have you bought anything at this show? No, actually. Ooh. What? I haven't bought anything. I have acquired things. Okay. <laughs> of which I exchanged for cash. Did I buy? No, no. I just left money. And no, then took it. No, no money has exchanged hands. Okay, trades or just gifts? Um, let's just say no money has exchanged hands. <laughs> <All right. Okay>. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I thought um, my stories were risque. Oh, good grief. <laughs> Not that kind of exchange. There are, there, are, there are things on hold. Things like, hold this, I'll be back later. Mm. Um, there are things that, oh, look, that fell into my pocket, I'll pay you later. So just light um, theft. Light theft. <laughs> okay. And then there are just... Things that at this point, okay, keeping in mind that the Little Rock show was three weeks ago, and boy, did I spend a lot of money there. So I had to dial it back a little bit mm -hmm. this this trip. Um, but uh, I've received a lot of gifts, um, little things from friends and people who read the blog and people who listen to the podcast. And so that's been lovely. So And they've just been little things, stickers and postcards and notes. And um, we got a cheesecake. Yeah. That's a pretty that's a pretty serious thing. Like a full on like a full cheesecake? Yes. I'll let Jesse tell the whole story okay. about the cheesecake. Okay. But yes. There's a cheesecake. There's some other things in our fridge too. But yes, so we've in in general, like particularly this show of all shows, everybody here is super generous about everything. Food, beverages of all sorts. Uh <laughs> And so, like, no one here ever goes hungry or thirsty or, I mean, and so that's part of what I love about this show mm -hmm. is last night there were uh, all sorts of snacks and goodies and cupcakes and cookies and um, beverages and of all sorts that were being passed around. So mm -hmm. while everyone was also sharing pens and, hey, yeah. try this pen, hey, try this paper, uh, hey, have you tried this ink yet? Um and then, hey, have you had these from Canada? They're these really cool little maple cone details about them, please. I, I, I heard about them, but I had eaten so much already, I couldn't have one. But I mean, just everybody, like by the time we were done, we're like, I might have to check myself as overweight baggage at this point. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, yeah. So not, not a lot of goods, but lots of things to eat and lots of great experiences. Other types of goods. Good stuff. Uh, that was a terrible joke. Brad, what about <laughs> you? Um, I have made two pin purchases, I think. Um, I always go into the show recently. Like we've, we've talked about it recently, how I've gone. Like the whole transformation of this podcast, right? It's like I hate fountain pens to, okay, I need very specific fountain pens, and I'm going to have a list, and I'm going to stick to this list, and there's very specific things. The Vanishing the, Point Grail Pen. Yep, yep. So I've you know, learned enough where I feel comfortable to not have a list. Let's see what we can find kind of thing. So I bought a pen from uh, a gentleman named Matt Martin who is in our room who – so there's good and bad about having close friends at this show. The good is we have fun. We talk about things. um, You know, we share stories. We share food. The bad is they also know what kind of things you like. Yeah. And they go, hey, I saw this pen. You should go see it. By the way, it's going to be a problem for you. (laughs) So that's what happened when I went and talked to Matt. And, you know, we'll, we'll show this pen later if anyone wants to see it. And I know a lot of you saw Matt's work in the room because... The other thing I noticed this year about the show is we have a ton of new vendors and new makers here. And that's always been like a great thing for me to see. And I always like to support those type of people like Matt, like Will Hodges from Tactile Turn, you know, like all, all kinds of new people and new companies. That is the new faces. growth of the of this show. Like one yeah. of the worst things that could happen as much as we love all of the bigger vendors is that a show a small show like this one would get completely swamped by like big companies mm-hmm. wanting to come to it yeah. right like it's, that that it would it would change the way the show feels mm-hmm. at that point um and so for us as anyone that listens to the show will know how much me and Brad value the independent creator uh, having more and more people come to this show who have a small starting up company who have brought together some money and some product to come here and then sell a bunch of it is like the very best thing that can happen to a pen show like this one. Yeah, it's the right mix because this will never be like the biggest pen show in the world. You know, it's never going to be a DC level pen show or a destination pen show for some of the like the, the like a worldwide level, but it has the right mix of. Great retailers, great vintage, um, you know, sale sells, and you know, great new companies and people have done you know really neat and innovative mm-hmm. stuff and wanted to get out. Honestly, they want to get it out in front of a different crowd, and this is a little bit of that too. Like I honestly think they choose places like Atlanta and Baltimore and some of the smaller shows because they'll just get overrun at a place like DC until they kind of have that experience, you know, under their belt and feel more comfortable doing that. So I really like doing that. So Matt's pen, come check it out. It's like a full titanium pen. It's kind of right up my alley. You know, it definitely did cause me a problem when they told me about it and I probably bought the cheapest one on the table, which was not cheap. So that was problematic. Um, The other pen I bought was just kind of something I did have like on a mental list. And I want to say it was kind of a hate purchase. (gasps) So like you you should never. bought one. uh, Yeah. So you're like, you should never do this. Do, you know, do as I say, not as I do. Never make a hate purchase. And it's not really that I'm, I'm over exaggerating that, but we've talked about the Mont Blanc M fountain pen for years, just how, 
poorly it was received, how poorly it was designed when it was supposed to be this pinnacle of design. And I finally kind of wrapped my head around seeing a bunch of reviews around the rollerball model. Like I was never going to buy the fountain pen. I held it. It's genuinely poorly designed for what it is. The rollerball is not a lot better, but it actually works. And I finally found one for a really good price, like a can't like a can't pass it up type of price for a pen that I've talked about enough just to have to like mess around with and see like what is it really, you know, all about. So um, those are the two things I've bought. I don't know that I'll buy anything else. I don't really have anything on my list. I still got to get the Leonardo. I'll probably I'll probably pick up one of those just so I'll stop talking about it um, just to have. Um, which brings us to you. Yo, what's up? <laughs> hey, Mr. how long, Her- Mr. How long did it take you to uh, make a purchase? Uh, pen show opens at 9 a.m. on Friday. 9 a.m. on Friday, I bought King of Pen. <laughs> 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 I knew what I was doing. As Brad, said, <laughs> as Brad said a minute ago, do as I say, not as I do. And we very frequently say... If you're coming to the pen show for the first time, get a lay of the land and understand what you're doing. Now, I came into this pen show knowing what I wanted, right? Like, I've done this many times. I can now, as I have done and did today, walked around the entire pen show, didn't buy anything, right? Because now I'm kind of much more in control of understanding what I want and the money that I want to put aside for it. What I knew I wanted was one of two sailors this year. I even wanted the 1911 Royal Tangerine King of Pen. Or one of the mosaics, right? So the, just a regular 1911 mosaic. So I kind of came in, was looking around a bit, see what was there. Um, and I went to see Dan Smith at the Nibsmith. And he had the 1911 tangerine, King of Pen. I picked it up. I knew it was the pen for me. It is a problem, I think, if you are making a purchase for someone before they have turned on their card machine. <laughs> We had to just like chit chat while he's setting it up. But yeah, I have it. Uh, I have a broad nib. It's uh, filled with uh, Fire on Fire by Mr. Brad Dowdy, uh, which is a great ink, by the way. I will say now that I've used it, it's a very, very good orange, Brad. Thank you. You did a good job there. Appreciate it. You didn't make it no, specifically. Mr. Oster did an excellent job. You made a very good uh, decision on it. And I have to spend more time with it, but like it is as funny and as incredible as all King of Pens are, because it kind of looks like a prop pen for a TV show where you have to make... So, like, you know in Harry Potter, right? <laughs> I've got to, I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> the guy who plays Hagrid is not actually a giant. So whenever they're showing him... Sorry, spoilers. Whenever they're showing him... <laughs> They have to have, like, they have to do a bunch of camera trickery with the other people in the room to make it look like he's a big guy. King of Pens look like what you would give someone to make them look like they were small. Like it would <laughs> adjust the scale of them as a person. Because it looks just like the 1911 Tangerine, but a little too big. And that's what I like about them, where they're so ridiculous. Little but tiny hands. Great big pen. Yes. <laughs> if you have ever used a king of pen, you understand immediately why they're so incredible. And I, like Brad, did for me. I've been able to to have a few people try this specific king of pen because people wanted to know what I bought at the show. And people immediately understand it. Now, 
you should not be buying a King of Pan as your first sailor. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing that because all of the other sailor pans are incredible and I think you actually can't appreciate how good the King of Pan is until you understand what other fountain pans other sailors are so you kind of understand where it is. It is definitely a think about it, super considerate purchase. I mean, it took me from it took me about six or seven months, maybe getting up to a year from deciding I wanted one to buying one because I wanted to find the one that was right for me. And I wouldn't buy just any King of Pen. I see them all the time. Like the Ocean is available. I have, I have no interest in that. Uh, the Fresca looks very nice, but I'm not going to get it. The, the 1911 Tangerine is a color that I adore. So that's it. Like I am not going to, I'm not going to start a King of Pen collection, like my Pro Gear collection. Show um, opens at 9 a.m. tomorrow. There's probably some frescas, frescas I've available. I've seen a fresca, but like, uh, that is a great color. Um, but that's not, that's not for me. The fresca, it, you know, it was exactly as you told me with these two. It's just like, and I think even initially, and again with the King of Pen, like they are both amazing, but the tangerine, once you see it, you're like, Oh boy, like you've seen it and that thing is incredible. Yeah. So like you can't you kinda can't describe the color of this thing. So yeah. I bought King Pen at nine AM in the morning. It's just another great mic story, really, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I'm it, a caricature uh, of myself. It is definitely uh consistent with the lore mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm. All right, should we should we get ready to bring on our first guest? Yeah. All let's right, let, let's take our first break for the episode and then we will uh introduce our first guest for this show. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. You can make your next move with Squarespace because they will let you easily create a website for your next idea. They let you grab a unique domain name, take advantage of and customize award-winning templates and so much more to give you that perfect place online to put whatever it is you want to put there, whether you want to make a blog or an online store. Maybe you hear something and you're like, I've got some stuff to sell. You can set up a website with Squarespace and put everything that you need on it and have all of that functionality at your fingertips. It is an all-in-one platform that will let you put whatever it is you want to put online online there's nothing to install or patch or upgrade you don't have to worry about any of that squarespace have got you covered and they back it all up with award-winning 24 7 customer support um, i love squarespace brad loves squarespace we've been using them for years um, i wouldn't you know anytime i want to put something online i go to squarespace first because that's it's so easy to me i know how to build a squarespace website typically when i want to make a website what i don't want to do is spend hundreds of hours learning how to build a website I have an idea and I want to make the thing. And that's what Squarespace lets me do. And it can let you do it too. If you go to squarespace.com slash penaddict, you can sign up for a trial. There's no credit card required to do it. And you can play around and tinker to your heart's content and get your website set up the way that you want to. And then when you want to launch it to the world, you sign up for one of their plans. They start at just $12 a month, but you can get 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for this show by going to squarespace.com slash penaddict and using the code penaddict to get that 10% off. Once more, that is squarespace.com slash penaddict and the code penaddict for 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their continued support of this show. They have actually been sponsoring the show for as long as the show has been around, which yep. is kind of incredible. Yeah. Uh, clearly a lot of you need to build websites. Squarespace, <laughs> make your next move, make your next website. All right, Brad, do you want to introduce our first guest? I will. So we started doing a thing a couple years ago where, okay, we appreciate that y'all listen to us once a week, every week. And this is our opportunity to maybe, you know, tell you a few more stories that aren't about us. You know, like we can regale you with tales of sailor and, you know, all of the funny... regale thee with tales of sailors. (laughs) Come from far and wide. But what we've been able to do 
with this platform at this show is bring on some people that we really love and really respect, and we want to share their stories with y'all. So we have two great guests tonight. The first one is Chris Roth from Write Notepads. So come on up here, Chris. Oh, boy. <laughs> this should be thrilling. Oh. Chris, <laughs> buckle could you, up, uh, everyone. <laughs> could you tell our audience just a little bit about yourself and about Write Notepads, kind of how it came to be and, and what it is you guys like to make? Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, we have a, we have many hours, right? Yes. So how All it came to be was uh, in 2011, make a long story short, went down with a buddy of mine who was a blogger to South by Southwest, was looking for an exit from the family bookbinding business. And got down there. Was From bookbinding inter- to notebooks. <laughs> so, 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 so I'll, I'll, we'll catch up to speed here. So go down there. I'm introduced to all of his blogging friends. And I realized I just can't sell intellectual properties for the rest of my life. I've got to make something tangible, brick and mortar, if you will. Came back to Baltimore and had a sit down with my father. So we have a third generation commercial bookbinding business. And I'm like, you know, I've got an idea here. We're already five steps ahead um, in, in, in any sort of burgeoning new virgin endeavor where we have the machinery. So what if we take a concept that isn't foreign to us and readapt it to now creating a product that allows us to interact with everyone and – that was 2011, and I think we're going to hit uh, eight years. I don't know. Wow. I, I, don't, I don't even count my birthdays. I don't even know how <laughs> old I am. So, yeah, that's August. That, uh, you know, but, but again, it was, it was two years before we decided that we were comfortable enough with doing the backroom beta testing of products before we were comfortable enough to actually present them mm-hmm. and actually put a price on them. You know, gave, a, gave away, I can't even tell you how many hundreds and went through so many different iterations of paper combinations until we got to the point where we are today. So, so what was what was your father's first reaction to this? Like, the, so the book bindery has been around a long time, and you're the steward. You're the the, the future. Yeah. yeah. And do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger brother. Okay, and, yeah. and was this like he, he? He is along for the ride okay. as well, as, okay. as we like to call it. It's along for the ride. <laughs> yeah. So, so what was Dad's initial rela- reaction? Is like, hey, let's you know continue with the book bindery. Let's mix in this little pocket notebook that I'm thinking might be okay. It was it was positive, mm-hmm. but with a good bit of apprehension. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we. I mean, ideas come and go but are you willing to stick with it and that's that's i think that's where the apprehension initially lay and after it's sort of like wow this really isn't a bad idea and there's no harm no foul at play here and realizing that first off we didn't have to take money from one company to experiment with the other it's like yeah sure why not you know and and really, in essence, it, it was sort of devised that, yeah, it's great. So there, there are tides that flow with the commercial bookbinding business. 
And, you know, initially it was thought that, sure, we have this, this secondary stationary company that we're just growing, just creating, that could sort of create a gap fill. Boy, was I wrong about that, because <laughs> both can get really busy at the same time. Mm. And yeah. yeah, so I'm going to make a huge mistake right here in that I'm going to stroke your ego. Which does not need to be struck. No I know need. you. I no know need. you pretty well. We've got to know each other pretty well over Mike the last couple years. Mike doesn't know me well enough. Mike though. doesn't know you well <laughs> enough yet. I've heard stories, so we're good. But I've, I've said these things publicly already. I feel, as someone who uses a pocket notebook more than any other like paper product, that you make the single best pocket notebook on the market. And that comes from someone who makes their own notebooks, um, who is proud of the notebooks, who uses local printers to make their notebooks, who enjoys making notebooks. There's something different about yours, and I want to see if we can figure out why. And that's what I'm trying to understand. Why is this little notebook, why do I feel that it's different? Is it because you have some like design magic in your head? I know that's not the answer. <laughs> is it that, you know, you've been around the bindery and you know your way around these machines in a technical fashion that produces output that surpasses most anything that I could even come up with? What do you think it is about your books that makes me personally say something like that? I'll start by saying thank you. Yeah. But I... I don't know. I mean, really, in essence, a notebook is made of paper. Paper is paper. We're all here today and speaking about pens on this podcast because it's different strokes for different folks. You know, what, what, you know, a 10 cent Bic pen is satisfying to someone that just needs to jot a note, much like a $3,000 Mont Blanc limited edition is. Uh, now, when circling back to to write notepads again, all we're doing is we're we're taking paper, be it board, be it you know white ninety seven bright, we're putting it together in a folio that it's still paper. But what we hope to do and what we choose to accomplish is have we selected the best paper that meets the needs of the most customers. Is it a matter of the format? Is it a matter of, you know, the layout and, and things of that nature? And, and, and also the, the printing attributes, which I think we're going to get to shortly here, um, that really come together and culminate in a way in which, you know, it... it I think the best answer to this question is I don't know. I really, I really don't know. I mean, there's, there's no well, legitimate maybe it answer. Is that you do. So right. I, that's it, the point. It's right? like I would it's assume from a third generation business, the idea of putting paper products together in a way that is pleasing to you and the standards that will have been set by your parent and your grandparent mm -hmm. is it gives you just this natural understanding of how to get it right most of the time, right? Where other people maybe have different standards or maybe they're try they're like trying to get it going. So you I mean you mentioned or like you mentioned about the fact that like you probably had a little bit of unfair advantage that you already had and knew all of the machinery you needed 
before you started the company. That's not normal in making these types of products. Correct. So like you guys could kind of get started with like you can kind of get off the off the with the ground running right you know yeah but we kind of came about it in a in a we, we started the race at the finish line mm-hmm. as opposed to the starting yeah. line yeah so you know as far as how to make a book few know how to make it better or had made more than we had but as far as designing and creating a product that we can bring to market and a brand and creating a brand that was all foreign to us. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's really kind of like an inside-out sort of race that we've run to this point. So from that, the perspective of the exterior, I mean, like, you had all the mechanics for making the, the actual book, all the binding experience. Um, but the exterior of your book, one of the things that people like so much about them is that you chose, in a lot of cases, letterpress for the outside. Is there a reason that you decided to go with that? Is that something that your shop had to start with? Or? It was a personal preference of my own. I was going to outsource the letterpress, and then I realized that I already had run the big brothers to these presses when I was 13 years old on a summer job. So there, there was no way when the opportunity came for me to purchase them, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't resist. And from there, having knowledgeable people around me that I had known throughout the three generations of our company existing, we were able to bring them in. Even though as a bookbinder, I was taught early on that you don't put ink on paper. You don't put ink on paper. That is, you bind the book. The <laughs> printer puts the ink on the paper. So, don't so touch it was it. A, it was it was a bit of a taboo topic, especially when I told my father. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna print. He's like, now you're a printer. I'm like, <laughs> you know what like, we say about them in this house? I know, I know. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, well, uh, come on now, come on now. Give me a. It, it's 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 now considered so letterpress printing. It's, I'm not a competitor of a printing company. I am no different than a foil stamper because it, it's more of an artistic process in this day and age for letterpress printing. So, you know, I gravitated toward it. I always liked old stuff. I, forever and a day, love 1920s, 30s, flat top dual folds. I had an incredible collection that I neglected in a Venlo box and decided like, hey, this should be for everybody to see, not just for me. So I had sold it years ago, and this is long before Write Notepads came about. So, you know, it was, it was always this sort of personal attachment to antiquities. And, you know, the fact that it's not just push a button and hit 20 copies and out comes 20 identical prints that makes letterpress printing so fascinating it's an art it's a craft every day sometimes you get it sometimes it gets you and you're able to adjust the amount of impression that you put onto a sheet maybe the control of it but it's also sort of creating a one-of-a-kind piece in essence even though it's sort of pseudo early manufacturing in a large scale little push and pull yeah, oh, a lot of it. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like operating the console of like an alien spaceship, really. <laughs> Truly. 
yeah, I, those machines scare me just to just to look <laughs> yeah. at. And the two of you like know all about it, and I'm just like, how far away can I run from it? <laughs> so I'm like, it's I'm, like, oh, I'm it good. looks so pretty. I yeah. like it. So, so I found you by. I don't even remember exactly when, but it was definitely with the pocket notebooks, right? So that was like, oh, this is a cool pocket notebook company because this is what I use the most generally to this day with all of the, the pads and papers and everything that I have. So what goes into like your next like pocket notebook design? How did you, you know, get feedback in the beginning from what was working well? How did you decide to like really go out on specific editions, like say a gold field? Like if y'all aren't familiar with Chris's work, like they, they did an edition called the gold field that had told a great story, but it was also exquisitely made. Like what goes into like the creation of a pocket notebook for you? I would say a lot of um, inebriated brainstorming <laughs> sessions. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, prior to that, there there's a general loose outline at play. And what we'll do is we'll sort of figure out, okay, we know that it's spring or it's summer or it's fall or it's none of them. And it's you know, case in point, the year of the pig book that we mm -hmm. released. I, I can't even tell you when we released it because it seems like as soon as I finished like, the edition, I've already yeah. long since forgot about it and moved on like to four the to next six things. weeks ago. Like recently. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. So that was that was something that was was devised and sold in a matter of three, four days time. It was, yeah, hey, we're going to push this, we're going to try this, and we're going to do this, and then we're going to surprise everybody because they have no idea that something's going to be released. And that's kind of, we, we kind of get our jollies over that where it's like, you know what, I don't want to be predictable ever, ever, ever. Predictability is, it's just, everybody expects it and people give it to them and it's, there's no fun in that. I yeah. like to surprise people. It's a surprise for us as a manufacturer to see people, oh, whoa, didn't see that coming. And also time it to where it's not everybody one, two, three, same two or three days. It gets boring. And, you know, we do don't you, like to be um, boring. Do you have a like a... A typical list of product like product ideas or do you typically as soon as you've had an idea you go and make it or like oh we need it we want to do something new what do we want to do or do you have like a a list of stuff that you add to over time there is always a list yeah. there's always a list there's currently a list of big great ideas bad ideas but they're still on the list that you never know maybe something graduates to a good idea mm -hmm. because of a trend or something um, or some new process you discover. Or, abs yeah. Absolutely. Or, or maybe it's a, a new paper that comes to mm -hmm. market that, boom, this fits this really well. And, it, you know, there's, there's always a list. And, yeah, we pick and pull from it. I mean, case in point, from October to this day in April, it's been nonstop where it's just push, 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 new sizes, new styles, new interiors. Uh, fortunately, we still have the same paper that we, we – have been using for the past couple of years that we absolutely love. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to need to get a, a note on that. What's that? Uh, I'm going to need a special note for that. Tell me what paper it is. Uh, now you're good. <laughs> we, unlike, we, unlike you other companies, we don't, we don't kiss and tell. I agree. I go through. I go through. I have a whole room where there's an entire shelf 
well, a shelf, a, a bookcase dedicated to swatch books of paper and such. And, you know, we've, we've experienced it twice where a paper has just gone. The, the mill discontinued it. Okay, well, what do we do now? So fortunately, we have like a backup and then I pull like a war room together with my paper vendors and it's like, all right, let's just break out the arsenal of pens and everything and, and test this out and see what we come up with. Yeah. Brad had a good question that I'm going to steal. What is your favorite product that you've ever made? That's a good one. I've got it right here. It would be the Landscape Ruled Notebook. Landscape Ruled Notebook is one because I'm a left-handed person. Yeah! We, Lefties unite. This was a setup. <laughs> you set it up! <laughs> I can't take full credit for this. It was actually going to be, and I'm going to botch the name of this little this little subsect of Detroit. I think it's Hamtramck. 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 There we go. Our good friends, Bon 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 and Hamtramck, happened to just text me at 5.30 p.m. on a random weekday and say, hey, got a long layover at BWI. What are you guys up to? Like, come on down. We'll grab some beer. Let's hang out. And we do. And she's like, I want you to do a long notebook. I'm like, hmm. She wanted blank paper, I think, at first. And I'm like, let's do long lines. Let's make it the king of run-on sentences notebook. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, what, what, what eventually started as just some sort of a weird, bizarro idea, it then morphed into something that was like, hey, we're actually going to do this. I caught a lot of flack from my internal marketing team. And like, this, this is not going to work. Yeah, don't I'm listen like, to them. We're going to do this. Why? Because I said we're going to try it. <laughs> and lo and behold, as soon as I got the first prototype in my hand, I'm like, this is, this is, this is awesome. Yeah, so in case people haven't seen it, um, just imagine you took like an A5 or A4 notebook, turned it on its side, and then put the spiral on the top. And that's what you've got. So... With the great thing about that for, I mean, and it's the same for left and right-handed people, but for some reason, left-handed people struggle with spiral bound more. Your hand never touches the spiral because it's not in the middle anymore. The spiral's at the top. And then you just flip it over like a, like a kind of like a uh, easel sketchbook kind of idea instead. It evens, evens the playing field. Yeah, because then it's, it's fine for everybody. Um, so it's, I hadn't seen that product until today, and I think it's a genius. <laughs> and I want many of them. So I think it's great. Like, I think it's a really, really good idea. And it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, I know I've never seen it before. And then it's like, oh, but why does nobody do this, though? So it's, that's, and those sometimes are the best kind of things. I can, I can answer that question. Okay. So we have parent sheets of paper. And we can make this work for any orientation. I could cut this into a little thin slat. I could cut into something that's 22 inches long. And that's the beautiful part about it is that I've got these stacks and stacks of paper that are just lined. And it's all in the head as far as what size comes from it. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah. That's the fun. It's also the real troubling part of it is what do you decide on doing? Yeah. I've got a lot of text about that notebook and the excitement in, <laughs> in, in your typed voice was, uh, it was pretty hype. You were excited about it. Oh, super, yeah. super happy. Very cool. Yeah. Um, so what's, what's the plan? Like, now you stole my question. Oh, but go you, ahead. Go, you go for no, it. Out, it's man. all good. You go for it. Just throw it out Table there. Table flip. That's like, right. Yeah. Like, I'm out. Yeah. Like, you had, there was pretty much no plan. Like, when you started, like, let's try to make a notebook. And it's grown. It's become a thing. Right? Like, I think this is a legit thing. Like, like, like I don't necessarily care about, like, what percentage of the business is this now compared to, like, the bookbinding part. But write notepads is actually a thing now. So what is the future like looking like, like the, the near term future look like for right? Um, a lot less fun <laughs> from the early days, uh, a lot more employees, uh, to handle the way too many tasks that I currently handle. And, um, you know, it, it, it will then free me up to then go back to, being able to design and create and work in fine-tuning everything that comes and bears the right notepad logo. Um, so, for instance, you know, the custom work has grown considerably over the past several years. And, you know, did I think that it would? I hoped, but I didn't know that it would. And it has, and... You know, it, it's gotten us to a point where it's it's like it's too much for a team of few to handle. So it's adding, adding, so when adding. When you say custom, it's like a company comes to you and like, we want a notebook of our logo on it kind of thing. Or we want a notebook in a very specific layout. Can you make it? More so our current products that would just be, I guess, you know, case in point, you know, you have a Mill Thomas notebook where instead of our logo on the front at a certain quantity, you would have your company's name at the top of yep. it. So, you know, the fact that a lot of those products that currently exist, they come out of China. So it could be blanks that are then stamped by an organization or a company here in the States. Um, you know, we're able to sort of shift and change and not just give you one option, but give you several. Mm -hmm. And, and that's sort of, uh, you know, a, a sort of a unique embellishment point that we have going on. Yeah. All right. Well, Chris, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, oh, wait. People, oh, I, have, have, I have oh. one more question. Uh -oh. I'm supposed to ask him a stumper. Uh-oh. Spell Heidel, Heidel, well, I can't say it. Heidelberg. H-E-I-D-E-L-B-E-R-G. Nice. Wonderful. Thank Chris, thank you so much. I for it every day. <laughs> You can find uh, Chris and write notebooks at writepads.com uh, if you want to look at their products. So before we bring on our next guest, uh, we can thank our second sponsor for this episode, which is ExpressVPN. So we could probably all hold our hands up and say that cybercrime is something that we think happens to other people. Well, the bad news is that stealing data from people like me and you using public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest ways for hackers to make money. If your internet connection is unencrypted, your passwords and credit card numbers could be vulnerable. But there's something you can do about that. You can start using ExpressVPN to protect yourself from cybercrime. 
criminals. ExpressVPN works by securing and anonymizing your internet browsing, encrypting your data, hiding your public IP address with easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your device. You can turn on ExpressVPN protection with just one click, then you're free to safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your data stolen. ExpressVPN is rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. I am in a hotel right now. Uh, my phone is connected to hotel Wi-Fi. I have ExpressVPN turned on. I turned it on when I got here. I'll turn it off when I leave. This is a lovely hotel, but it's an open Wi-Fi connection. So I want to make sure I have that peace of mind, which is what I do have with ExpressVPN. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that I have. If you ever use public Wi-Fi and want to keep the bad guys away from your data, you need ExpressVPN. So go to expressvpn.com slash panaddict to learn more and protect your online activity today. Find out how you can get three months free at expressvpn.com slash panaddict. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash panaddict for three months free of a one-year package. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Anna, would you like to uh, introduce our next guest? Sure. Um, our next guest is known mo- on most social media as Jesse Rain, but it is actually Jessica Coles, also known as VintagePenShop.com, or as I like to call her, Jesterbrook. So, Jesse, I would like to, at this moment, thank you for the great episode that you uh, and Brad did in July whilst I was on my honeymoon. So thank you for stepping in for me. You are very welcome. I have great memories of listening to that episode in Hawaii. So I, <laughs> I'm hoping that I wasn't the best memory from that. <laughs> <laughs> I would not like to talk about that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Don't need to do that. So, Jesse, you're, you, are, uh, you have the great honor of being behind the knock table. Maybe. Yes, uh, that, <laughs> that is my great, great honor. Uh, so we, we, we've been happy to have you as our, de- as our table mate at this show. And I noticed immediately the layout of your, uh, your setup. And it's very interesting to me. Um, so I wanted you to describe it a little bit to our listeners and also kind of talk about how and why you considered the table layout that you have uh, and why you want it to be engaging to potential customers. Okay. Uh, well, I have my um, my pens laid out uh, by color and by size and by design, and I have a uh, a tester station uh, right that's in the middle. That's the thing that's super cool to me. This tester station. Well, um, actually, that's what uh, got me into Estherbrooks very specifically. Um, as I found out uh, while um, getting into restoring pens. Um, Estherbrook had a huge variety of different nibs. And when I started out, I tried to have all of my pens laid out so that um, as people came up, I could ask them what they did or didn't like about a certain pen that they would start with and then help guide them to uh, something that they would maybe like even more. Um, People would come up, had only tried uh, extra fines, and I could get them trying even abroad just to see if they liked it or not. But with the testing station, I'm able to have all of those laid out right there. Yeah, uh, and this is like, um, can you explain what, what the testing station actually is, where it came from? Yeah, actually, well, it's from the 1950s. Uh, this is how Estherbrook had, I, I guess they had sent these out to different uh, department stores, different stores, uh, to help... 
um, the salespeople show customers uh, the different nibs that they had, have them out there so that uh, people could see, you know, this is an extra fine. I can try it in the two different um, uh, the two different tipping materials that they have. Uh, there's a um, pen holder, a nib holder that is friction fit. And you can just fit any of those nibs into it and test it right there. Uh, you don't have to have 50 different pens laid out. Um, it's only uh, you see the different nib, you put it into the the uh, holder, dip it, and try it right there. Yeah, it's really cool. And, I mean, the fact that it is a vintage one makes it mm-hmm. even better, right? Like it wasn't just something that you made, which and it would be amazing if you made it, mm-hmm. but the fact that it, it has all the old logo on it and it's like clearly it was once white but it's now like a little <laughs> yellow like because it, it's made of like an acrylic right so like yeah. it's kind of aged over time and it's just super cool and i speak from my own experience i find um a lot of vintage pen stuff to be really intimidating okay yeah i think a lot of people do yeah and having uh, i would never want to pick up a vintage pen from your table and try it because I would be scared. I would just be scared I would break it. Well, if but you did, this, this none li- of them have nibs, so you couldn't. Didn't there you I? go. <laughs> you thought about that. <laughs> uh, but having this this system, I w- would be way more likely to try something that I'd never tried before. Well, that's why I call, it, I call it the gateway drug to vintage pens. Yep. It's 100% um, that. Totally well, people is. are used to being able to go see um, you know, a pilot vanishing point. And then you can choose whatever nib you want in that. Um, all of those are being manufactured, and you have your choice. So uh, with vintage pens, you know, you look at all of these trays of vintage pens, and you look at something that's really pretty, and you open it up, and you hope that it's a nib that you want. Um, you don't have your choice of seeing a Parker 51 in a dark blue and opening it up and having your choice of, of nibs. You just have to take what is there. Um, with this, though, you can look for the pen body you like. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find the color you like. But then you can put the nib in that you like as well. Yeah. So it's it's less intimidating, I think. It's a step-by-step process instead. Now, you are an Estabrook expert, and we'll get to some of that <laughs> a little bit more. But is is that idea, because of where Estabrooks came from and the fact that there were so many nibs and so many options, was that what initially drew you to them, that, that idea of like, yeah, they're vintage, but you can also do more mixing and matching than you can with a typical vintage pen. Well, what got me into them, first of all, was that they are everywhere. Um, <laughs> I could find them and uh, I could fix them. Yeah. <laughs> so those three things, you know, made them convenient. <laughs> but as I got into those, uh, what I really enjoyed as I looked at the whole process of selling to people was... Um, helping them find something that would end up making them very happy as they walked away from the table. Yeah. And Estabrook was what had that very available. So how many pen shows have you exhibited? I know. Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know, probably 20, 20. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been exhibiting? Like coming to shows, having stuff to sell? Uh, three years, maybe. Okay. Two years. And three. I'm assuming of the 20, there's quite a few repeat shows, like repeat yeah. places. And this is your first time in Atlanta? Yes, it is. What do you think of the Atlanta Pen Show? What is different about hmm. it? Uh, well, you know, there's different shows that uh, sometimes we're all in one big room together. Uh, sometimes there's people in one big room and a couple very small rooms. Mm-hmm. Um, in this one, we're in three different rooms and a lot of hallways. 
but it seems like... It didn't used to be always. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's growing all the yes. time now, I guess. Um, but what I do like about that is that the sound is somewhat contained. It's mm. not, you know, 2,000 people all trying to talk over each other. Um, but each of those rooms has enough people in it, and it's split very well so that uh, there's a very different mix in each room. Um, but it, it feels like you're in your own miniature uh, show in each area. It feels contained, but it also feels very inclusive for a, a wide variety. Um, I do like that, and I absolutely loved the cookout yesterday. Yeah, that was fun. Not oh, the cool. barbecue yesterday, as no. I was corrected by my roommate, Anna. I would call it a barbecue. That is, to me, like literally what a barbecue there is. There was no barbecue there. But, no. but to me, though, like, as an English person, what we had yesterday was a barbecue. There was no barbecue there. There was no barbecue sauce there. Don't Not worry about any of that. None of that matters to an English person. A barbecue is there is a grill, and you put meat on it. That is all vegetables, but so, that is it. So because the thing, what is called wrong. a grill, is, is that we call them a barbecue. I'm not saying it's right. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm just saying what no. we call them. Everyone's going, no, in the audience. <laughs> in England, we call them barbecues. So if you would have said it to me, I would have said, you know what, Jesse? You're right. Yes, that is what it you is. You know, Mike, I'm, I'm shocked that you guys invented the language. Mm-hmm. And you get so many things wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to get into this right now. It's called English, so whatever I say is correct. Brad, can you move on from here? You are the English then. Okay, great. (laughs) You're seriously outnumbered in Atlanta. Barbecue requires smoked meat. Please, we don't need to have this conversation anymore. And maybe maybe even just a pit. You You don't need a grill Mm -mm. to be barbecue. But you need... You need I'm barbecue from... to be a barbecue. I live in Kansas City. Do not. We're not having this conversation. <laughs> no. All right. Save us, Anna. All right. We're moving on. <laughs> so, uh, over the last, we've been doing this for five years now. Mm-hmm. And when we started doing this, there were not nearly as many women mm-hmm. attending pen shows or vending at pen shows. Yes. As a woman vending at a pen show. Yes. How, how has your experience been, not just here, but in general? Okay, so that's a very big question. It is a big, a loaded what, I, what is your question. What is your experience? I'm also fishing. <laughs> okay. No vest, but I'm fishing. <laughs> okay, well, as a woman getting into this, um, I first started coming to shows uh, when, you know, I wouldn't see other women in one room, you know, you could go into a room and there wouldn't be another a, a single other woman there. Um, I would uh, get times where I would be included just because I was a woman. Um, and people mm. really wanted to include me uh, to make me feel welcome. I've had times where I've been excluded because I'm a woman. Um, talked over because I'm a woman or people asking my opinion just because of that. Um, I've had a very wide variety of it, but I think it's pretty well balanced that I've had both sides of that. Um, But my favorite is (laughs) when someone came up to my table and said how nice it was that I was watching the table from my husband. And I said, I'm sorry, my husband's at home watching the kids. Yes! 
can I ask? Was that some, like that? That is an incredible answer. Did that just come to you? Well, it was true. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This this didn't happen this weekend. No, no, no. This was this was a couple years ago. Okay. Um, but no, it was true. He's at home and yeah. he has the kids. So and he's fixing the dishwasher too. <laughs> <laughs> Handy. Yeah. Um, no, it's. Uh, I've I've always been in areas where um, it's more male dominated. Yeah. Um, so I am very used to that, but uh, I guess maybe I'm, I try not to have a chip on my shoulder about it. But I do want to stand up for that and say, you know, there's no reason why I shouldn't be a woman here, and there's no reason why you shouldn't expect that. Um, but oh my goodness, my husband does not have anything to do with my business. <laughs> he has his own, and I have mine, and I'm very proud of doing that. But I don't. I also don't want a special, um, I don't think people need to go out of their way to make me welcome or to give me, um, you know, a foot up. I'm just, I'm another person yeah. running my business here. Treated like everyone I'm enjoying else. it. Right. Well, yeah, I think that uh, we just have to come to accept that it's more common. Have you, and it's there. While noticing a, a change in there being more women uh, attending and exhibiting, mm-hmm. Did the average age change? Oh, absolutely. Okay, so it's both you've seen. Yeah, I've seen the average age. I'm not going to... Yes, I've seen the average age come down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense. And, and I guess maybe um, considering that you are more involved in vintage pens, mm-hmm. that maybe you had been in more environments where you would see a difference... Right? Were you going to places specifically just for vintage stuff and seeing these changes? Or is it just pen shows in general? It's pen shows in general. I think that they um, have started changing from being shows that are focused on vintage to shows that are focused on pens. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't really see them as being vintage versus new or, um, you know, big retailers versus small makers. but I see it going from people who are trading vintage pens with each other into people who are using them. Um, oh, interesting. So it's, yeah. it's more people who are interested in the life of using them and that vintage and modern are both involved with that. And I'm excited to see people using vintage pens. Um, it makes me very sad when... Um, I come across a stash of pens that are 80 years old and have never been used. I mean, for me, it's great to find those, but um, to have those just stashed away. Makes me think of Toy Story. Oh. <laughs> right? Like all those pens are just yeah. so sad because nobody's using them. <laughs> but the, the pens are not alive, though. Are we sure, though? I don't know. Wow. <laughs> have you seen Do- this pen? <laughs> this okay, is the this, pen. this is like... This is like a nightmare pen for the me. It's, it's, I think it's it would be alive. It's exciting, but very exciting. Well, upsetting. that's what scares me, is if it was alive, it would be a vampire, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to talk about the scary things for a second, because sometimes, like, especially, you know, me being newer to fountain pens, vintage is a scary word, mm-hmm. to, you know, someone walking in who's very new and very inexperienced. So... Tell us, like, why your focus is on vintage 
And at the same time, I feel that you do a great job of getting in into like not just experience vintage buyers hands, but you're really focused on like the customer service aspect of getting into a new people's hands and making vintage, you know, not a scary word for someone who walks into the pen show for a first time. Like how like do you explain like that kind of path that I, I feel like you, you're kind of taking right now? That's a very long question. And there were, I think, actually like 15 questions Probably. There. That's what um, I do that's the best. Right that's how I do But questions. just before I answer that, you you sharpened my black wings? I did. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I, I, I think I helped someone get a sale, and they were a big fan of your uh, Coom Masterpiece Sharpener. Okay. Um, but you sharpened my black wings? <laughs> <laughs> At least two, maybe not four. Got it. Twelve. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I. So yes. I don't know if I've ever used my black wings or a black wing. No, yet. you can. <laughs> the He's doing you looks a favor. Great really. on them. They're ready to rock. Okay. Well, thank you. I appreciate sure, it. They sure. are. They are extra sharpened by Brad Dowdy. Yes. I will hold them extra dear. You can eBay those now. <laughs> they can go on eBay. Seriously. Sharpened by Brad Dowdy. I reckon you could sell those for a price. Artisanal. Some people will buy those, I reckon. Well, he's not the one that got asked to sign an iPad today. Uh, we don't want to get into that. Oh. <laughs> it's not, it's, I was really to... impressed, though. You yeah, know? it's the whole thing. I, I got to stand next to you. <laughs> um, okay, so. Make I... vintage easy for us. Like, what, what do we need to know when we go? We're interested. We've got our modern stuff. Like, mm-hmm. what would make a first-time buyer comfortable buying vintage, and why should they buy it from you? Well, because I make them comfortable. That's right. Um, coming up to my table, um, I I can usually tell if somebody hasn't tried vintage before, most of the time because they say, I'm so new to vintage, um, so it's easy to tell then. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it is overwhelming because when you go up to a vintage uh, pen, you are not supposed to open it up and use it. Um, what you're looking at is something that has been around for 80 years, maybe. Um, on my table, about an average of 70 years old. Uh, you're looking at these um, that, for some reason, they have made it that long. Nobody has lost them. Nobody's broken them. Um, they're there. Uh, they're in usable shape. They still have their caps. Most of them. Um, so you are opening up these pens. It, they're a piece of history. Uh, there are some pens there that have people's names engraved on them, and they may be um, long gone, but that pen is still there. Um, as you are looking at all of these trays of pens, it's absolutely overwhelming. Um, some of it is because they are all mixed together. Uh, it's hard for your eye to focus on each individual one. It's hard for you to focus on something when you haven't gotten so involved in it yet um, that you can pick out what they are. Um, I've so, never understood why the other vendors just mix all of them together. Like they have all, they have a lot of the same brand or mm-hmm. type of pen, and then they just like one over here. There's like. A, Parker over here, well, and the sh- like. Um, come on, guys, put like the two Parkers next well, to each other. Well, but it may crazy. make sense to them. Maybe. They aren't looking at it as people who are new coming into it and being overwhelmed with so much information. Mm-hmm. They are people who can categorize those as they look at them. I suppose maybe it must be in some sort of 
mathematical order. I don't it might understand. be, but you know, as a mother, I can look at it and say, "Oh, that's a guy." You know, <laughs> there there, um, there there was some uh, like purchase order. Oh yeah, I got that one in seventy two. I bought that one in eighty four. That's why they're in that order. Or they fit in the case that way. Um, I I I don't know. I think everybody has their own uh, way of ordering those. I, I, I seriously those. need to ask. <sighs> I wonder if there is like for for a lot of buyers, there's like a thrill of a hunt kind of man, like mentality. Oh, absolutely. So like there not putting that. them in a discernible order is appeasing to the typical buyer who wants mm-hmm. to sift through them all and find one. There is a huge amount of treasure hunting. Yeah. Um, I really feel that when I come to pen shows mm-hmm. too, but also. I get, even knowing all about so many different pens, I get overwhelmed looking at that because my eye wants to focus on each individual mm-hmm. one. And like when you go to a secondhand bookstore, if they're all just thrown on the, the shelf there, it's hard to read individual ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, your brain just can't process all of it. Um, so that is hard. Wait, what? I was answering a question. <laughs> <laughs> It was my way of saying you're really good at what you do and you do it different than everyone else. And I don't understand why there's not more of you in that room over there. We can't all be me. Yeah. It is a competitive advantage to be you. It is. Um, it truly of, is. In talking to Thank you, you about, though, Brad. In, in talking to Jesse about Estabrook over the last couple of days, I've been really interested about the little tidbits of information you've been giving me about mm-hmm. like how um, some of the clips and some of the elements changed on the pens during wartime production because the Estabrook would be using some of the, would be sending uh, steel to the war effort. Mm-hmm. How do you find that information out? Well, um, some I read everything that I can find uh, about them. Some of it is, but it's to more than just the Wikipedia page. Like, what what are you reading? <laughs> yeah. I think your Wikipedia <laughs> pages were great. <laughs> um, I'm reading uh, old books or old catalogs. Um, I'm talking to the guys that are are there. Um, sometimes some people will hear uh, that I'm interested in Nestor Brooks and will come tell me little bits of information. Um, if I find out something interesting, like I'll be repairing the pens and I'll notice, wait, I don't, does this go with the, uh, with these pens or does it go with these others and why? And why are these clips thinner? Um, why are these engraved instead of a metal band? When did this change? How long did it happen? And I'll go look up that information. Um, some of it is that it's just not collected altogether uh, anywhere right now. But then um, that's why so many different books are being written, too, hmm. is because people, Brian Anderson has so much information in his mind about it that um, it hasn't been processed in that way yet. So uh, when are you writing a book? Oh, wow. Mm. I should do that, huh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I, I'm not kidding. You know, I look over, I turn around and look at your table um, or watch it for you and oh, give away you. things for free while you're not there. Yeah, I appreciate that. And black wings. <laughs> like like yeah. black wings. Yeah. <laughs> and you come back and like my my scope of of the the table is I'll go, I'll point at something, I'll go, oh, that is really cool. And then you're just let me tell you everything you ever need to know about <laughs> that. I'm like, 
hot dang that is awesome <laughs> like well that's in, like it's so cool it did it, it boggles my mind i'm just i'm really good at trivial pursuit too <laughs> um i pick up random information yeah. like yeah. nobody's business but uh, like, not the imp- not the important stuff usually yeah. but um esther brooks i can talk a long time about <laughs> um there's so much interesting information out there about it um and so much of it gets forgotten unless it's passed along. So uh, talking to as many people about them as I can, uh, I can pick up all of those little bits of it. Um, I thought it was a lot of fun uh, to learn about why Estabrook was shaving off um, steel from their manufactured pens um, because they were contributing to that to the war effort. Mm-hmm. And that was even before the U.S. was in the war. Um, and, you know, Estabrook came from England, so they were, their heart was there and they had people there that were family and friends. Um, and that really brings that little bit of history to life instead of it being some ancient thing that, um, that happened to other people. It makes it feel more real. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What is the most interesting or expensive Estabrook that you ever come into contact with? Well, right now I do have an Estabrook that was a relief pen made in England. Not many were made in England. Most were made in the U.S. Um, And it was made during the war. Um, That's the only time, really, that they made gold nib pens. Um, And that was because they were saving all of the steel. So actually it was more accessible for them to use gold than steel at Hmm. the time. Uh, well, you can't, you know, make tanks out of steel, out of gold. You, <laughs> you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. It would look kind of cool, but like it wouldn't go very far. <laughs> it did look pretty. Yeah. <laughs> I think it wouldn't um, make it very long, though. Yeah. Um, but the, uh, you know, the the celluloid on that pen um, is still in amazing shape. There's gold that is still in amazing shape, um, and. Uh, wow, to know that that has lasted that long in that kind of condition is amazing. But um, that's probably the rarest one that I have right okay. now. Because of it, because of the gold, right? Because they were only making them for a short period of time. And yeah, there just weren't that many made. Yeah. Um, I think people hoard them and put them aside. And yeah. I don't know that those. I've ever seen an Esterbrook gold nib before. Well, you haven't been one. looking at my table very well. Huh? <laughs> it's been over there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I really do appreciate you guys. <laughs> I enjoy it, but <laughs> you know, it, it is pretty easy to to jab it at a few of those fair things. Fair enough. Fair enough. So, Jesse, I think people can go to uh, vintagepenshop.com, dot mm-hmm. right? Which is an incredible URL that is very good. Very good. Thank Tell you about your other <laughs> URL. Yeah. Oh yes, my other URL. I, I have it. I have the domain name uh jesterbrook.com jesterbrook.com oh yeah uh, because of anna right. she made yeah, me good. do it we we've come up with all kinds of url ideas late at night <laughs> usually with wine involved so that's, a, that's a recurring thing between our guests today so everyone work on your your drinking problems oh. <laughs> I, I didn't call the drinking it solutions I didn't call drinking solutions that's right drinking Tell solutions about the cheesecake. oh, oh my yes. gosh yeah, okay let's get us so, out here on the cheesecake um, uh, a friend, Franklin, he's on the Slack as pens in 
pictures. I have to be careful with that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, uh, he he totally did that on purpose. Mm. Um, he uh, he was thankful that I was trying to um, get some Franklin Christoph pens for him. And uh, he said, you know, when are you arriving? And I, I told him when I'd probably get into the hotel. And he said, just wait. <laughs> he said, when you get to the front desk, ask for your package. So I did. And uh, it was a it, box still cold. Um, opened up the box. And, yeah, you can feel the cold air coming out of it. And open it up, and there's this huge cheesecake. And it's just now finishing defrosting. A cheesecake is a very aggressive thank you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> like what an enchi- entire cheesecake is like a, it's like a very serious thank you. He has mm-hmm. absolutely said thank you in, <laughs> I, I believe it, in, in, in pounds yeah. of dairy. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. So, yeah, uh, Anna and I went and got coffee. Came back to the hotel room. Oh, yeah, two forks. And came back to the hotel room, put the cheesecake in between us, coffee on each side, and we dug in. I've never done that before. And I'll just dig into a cake from the side. (laughs) My gosh. (laughs) (laughs) It was decadent. (laughs) And that's what pin shows are all about. Exactly. Everybody give a huge round of applause for Jesse. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. So we're going to wrap up today's episode now. Um, just once again, thank you so much to all of our Kickstarter backers who help make this possible, um, as they do every year. Uh, this year's a special one. Five years is special. Um, and everybody gave us such incredible support to do this. So thank you all again for helping us get here and to do this for you. And, and we hope that this episode and, and the video when you see it uh, is going to be uh, worth it for you. So thank you so much for helping us do that. Um, thank you to our wonderful studio audience. Studio. Stephen said that earlier. It's not a studio. This is a room. Not a, not a studio. It's not a studio. But Ball it sounds funny. Audience. A ballroom audience uh, for, for joining us. Uh, thank you to our wonderful guests. Um, I want to thank Anna and Brad, as always, for joining us. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, the Fine People at Squarespace and ExpressVPN. And I think that's about it for the episode, Brad. What do you think? I think it is. All right. We'll be back next time. Until then, say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>